This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, June 19th. Here's the weather forecast for today. Lovely day, sunny and a high of 26. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Southern Ontario's smoke warning is lifted for now. Number two, a man accused of three murders slips custody. Number three, coroners undertaking a grim task of identifying the Manitoba bus casualties. Number four, with one week to go in the mayor's campaign, Mitzi Hunter is the first candidate to drop in on Moore in the Morning. And number five, Argos, Verstappen, and Wyndham Clark win in a big sporting weekend. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Me and my friends at the table doing shots, fast and then we talk slow. Happy Monday. Happier still for all of the people who enjoyed Ed Sheeran's concerts in Toronto. And in particular... On uh, Saturday night, when Sean Mendes, who's actually hasn't been absent from the scene, but he called off a big tour last year saying that he wanted to look after his mental health. And when you consider, you know, the trajectory, the career trajectory of, say, Justin Bieber, who went through a pretty dark period, it's probably it probably was a great idea for Sean Mendes to say, you know what, I need some time to myself. I've already made a whack of money. I could uh, probably retire on this if I wanted to. I got more to say, but I don't. We don't have to keep up with this relentlessly relentless velocity. So yeah, Sean Mendes coming out on stage doing an Ed Sheeran song and then doing one of his own songs. But Ed Sheeran definitely commanding the stage this weekend in Toronto, and I imagine we're going to have all kinds of social media evidence of his circulating on the streets of Toronto and people doing selfies and all of that stuff. And I just remember what it was always like back when I was a young pup and you'd go to a concert and you just wake up and you'd still be sort of in the zone of having absolutely had an amazing time appreciating an artist who's a big part of your your life. And so, yeah, lots of people, especially youngins, I'd imagine, although I don't know how much of an appeal Ed Sheeran necessarily happens to the tween crowd, but a lot of people waking up today thinking, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So uh, 5.09 is the time. I'm all excited to be in the chair this morning for multiple reasons. One, certainly I had a great weekend. Uh, kept it fairly quiet on social media just because, you know what, I just decided I want to enjoy myself. I don't want to constantly be thinking, oh, i got to take a selfie and put it you know, on social media. Uh, but went off to Prince Edward County and celebrated the birthday, a landmark birthday for Amanda Galbraith, who's a pretty key pundit and show host here at News Talk 1010, and it was just a hell of a lot of fun. Funny thing about Amanda Galbraith is that, well, first of all, she, you know, it prompted a lot of discussions because we went to visit another friend of ours in media who's now retired, who also moved to Prince Edward County and kind of wondered like, you know, what sort of a life do you live when if you run out of Worcester sauce or lemons, it's a 20 minute drive. It's one of the reasons why I still like living downtown. Although, as this other friend who will go unmentioned uh, was telling us, <laughs> actually her husband was saying, the house they live in, in Prince Edward, in, in Picton actually, 
is the they they have this giant rambling house with like a separate apartment and a pool and it's incredible. And he said, "Yeah, it's the same price as a crappy two-bedroom condo in downtown Toronto." Okay, so there's a tempting aspect to living in Prince Edward County. But it's it just as um as a friend of mine likes to say, it's not my jam. Still, um Amanda has been very active in conservative politics, provincially, municipally, I think federally as well, for many, many years. And so the overwhelming majority of her friends are all conservatives. But the amazing thing is no political clash, no arguments. You know, I am so used to getting texts like, oh, the liberals are going to kill us all. Um, it's not quite the same thing with Amanda's friends. They may work and um, endorse and support and often advise, and whatever, uh, with all manner of conservatives, but they all seem to be very delightful, mostly young people. I think I was one of the senior citizens at this parade. Uh, but listen, lots of things to talk about aside from what we did for the weekend. Oh, but one note. I, I was staying in this hotel in Picton, and everybody was all excited because they said, you know, Sunday morning, there's a farmer's market in back of the hotel. And I thought, that's great. Before we go back to Toronto, we'll go to the farmer's market, and I'll have all kinds of fresh produce, and I'll just uh, cook all week. So you know what uh, they didn't have at the farmer's market? Farmers. Honestly. They had photographers, people who make honey. I guess that's a farmer. Um, clothing, candles. And... There was one stand that had like five vegetables. Was it like a, a flea market that was disguised as a farmer's market? Well, it wasn't a flea market because everything was new. But yeah, it was just like, I I mean, I love, and, and Joe, this week, we'll finally do it. We'll go to um, uh, whatever the heck it the is. The one Nathan Phillips Square. Nathan Phillips Square. There's a farmer's market on Wednesday morning that I think starts at nine or maybe even eight. And you and I will go there. That sounds fun. But I want racks of vegetables. I want a hundred different kinds of vegetable and fruit. And they did not have that. So message to Picton, if you're going to call it a farmer's market, there should be a farmer. So we were driving back into town yesterday and uh, it was definitely smoggy in downtown Toronto. And I found myself wondering, is that smoke or smog or, you know, just a low ceiling? And as it turns out, it was smoke. Uh, however, as of this morning, Environment Canada has lifted the smoke warning for now but we still have major forest fires in Quebec and northeastern Ontario, so it could come back. Um, Ontario's air quality was ranked 5 out of 10 uh, at one point last week. And then yesterday, uh, or actually Saturday, Saturday evening it went to 6, and on Sunday it went to 7. But apparently as of this morning, they have lifted the smoke warning for now. And I must say, there was one point yesterday where I guess I stepped out to walk the dog at the end of the afternoon. I thought, yep, I can smell some smoke. But for the most part, it didn't seem to be uh, all that present. But I guess people out there with lung issues, you know, asthma and COPD and all kinds of other things and allergies, perhaps you were noting it more than I. Uh, I was saying I'm all excited about being in the chair today. Here's one of the major reasons. We have booked what I'm calling exit interviews with the major candidates for mayor of Toronto. The election is one week from today. And so we thought, okay, we did intake interviews at the start of the campaign and people came here on our show to declare that they were running for mayor and we asked them why they were running for mayor and what they planned to bring to the table. So now as things begin to gel 
and we see where this campaign is going, we've invited all of the players back. And there's another reason for that. It's because I get it. You're busy. You probably didn't have, and thank heavens for that, uh, two hours last week to watch the debate that uh, Lena and I were trying to chair. Um, so now you find yourself staring down the barrel of the one hopes obligation to vote next Monday and thinking, I'm still not absolutely convinced. So this is your chance. And of the seven leading candidates, six have agreed. One has still not agreed to appear. Guess who? You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, so when it comes to sporting, Max Verstappen winning at the Grand Prix in Montreal. And I don't follow Grand Prix, but I was reading up on it this morning. He's perfect for the season. Uh, or, yeah, no, he's, he's, and his team has just won like 100. Uh, he's with the Red Bull team. So as people are saying, not that it really matters who sponsors you, you know, but some people sort of thought, wow, Red Bull is a joke. What are they doing in motor racing? They're, you know, they've got as much business as Shell Oil. And uh, they've done very, very well. Uh, then we get to Wyndham Clark. And I guess because of the time difference this weekend, because they were golfing on the West Coast, so things were starting later, I would snap on the Golf Channel in the morning and it would just be this endless series of profiles. And I watched the one about uh, Clark, and it was all about how his mom had died of breast cancer while he was in university on a golf scholarship, and he almost thought about quitting golf. But then he decided he would soldier on, but he always thinks about her as he's golfing. And uh, he just had a magnificent weekend and a magnificent day yesterday. And he managed to beat Rory McIlroy, who everybody's waiting on to kind of score a comeback because he's one of the all-timers. But yesterday, it was uh, definitely uh, Clark. And then we get to uh, the Argos. Let me pull that out so I can do them proper justice. They raised the banner yesterday at the game to celebrate the fact that they won the Grey Cup last year. And, you know, all the time, whenever I start talking about, like, the Maple Leafs or how the Raptors have been bounced or, you know, how things the things aren't going the Blue Jays' way, people always say, you know, you forget the Argonauts won the uh, Grey Cup. Yes, okay, and congratulations to you all. And the Argonauts dismantled, according to uh, Mark Zvalinsky, uh, the Argonauts dismantled their rival Hamilton Tiger Cats 32 to 14 yesterday. There were 16,000 people on hand to celebrate the raising of the championship banner and to take in the game. And the first 10,000 fans received replicas of the official Grey Cup ring. And... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those rings, but they're ridiculous. I shouldn't make fun of them because I was, you know, there's probably one sitting in my mailbox right now. Uh, but last year or whenever, the last time they won the Grey Cup, I received a replica of the ring. And nobody wears that on a regular basis, do they? I remember seeing Yvonne Cornway once, and he won 10 Stanley Cups. And he was attending a game, and he was wearing like eight of his rings, and I think just on kind of a goof, because I don't think Yvonne Cornway wears those rings always. So one of the five things you need to know, uh, police in northeastern Ontario say a man accused in three Sudbury area homicides in the past few months has escaped from the local jail. Be interested to hear how that happens. I mean, I don't think they still put uh, nail files 
in cakes, but somehow he managed to get away. We'll talk to Mark Mendelson about this a little later on. I know Mark Mendelson. I mean, he's full of stories. That's one of the reasons we love having him as our crime analyst on News Talk 1010. But he's told stories, for example, of going all the way to one of the Caribbean islands to arrest a guy and fly him home. And I just wonder what that has to be like. You know, I guess you're handcuffed to the person who's sitting on the plane. Do you make conversation? What happens when the meal comes? What do you watch on television? I don't know. Greater Sudbury Police Service sharing very little information. But uh, 33-year-old Joel Roy was thought to have fled a facility. Uh, an announcement of his escape was released on Saturday evening, along with a picture. He looks like a winning fellow. He's been charged with two counts of first-degree murder in December 2022 after an alleged shooting at a local hotel. An additional unrelated murder charge was laid against him in April after the body of a man reported missing months earlier surfaced in a wooded area near the city. Um, perhaps not surprisingly, police are telling you, do not approach if you think you see this man. He is five foot six, 150 pounds. He has shoulder length, light brown hair, and maybe tied in a ponytail. Green eyes, well, that'll stand out if you get close enough. There's a scar on his right cheek because he's like an extra from a Warner Brothers movies. And tattoos on his chest and right forearm. Dash cam footage, you may have heard this in the news over the weekend, dash cam footage from that horrific collision of a truck and a minibus full of seniors uh, reveals that the truck had the right of way. Seems to be a fairly complicated traffic situation, but police say, according to the footage, which forensically they have to unpack to see if it all works and if it actually captures, for example, the relative speed um, of the vehicle, but it does suggest that the truck was in the right of way. It struck the minibus. There are 10 or 15 senior citizens who were killed. And actually, I don't know if all of them, there's certainly people who were in long-term care, but not all of them were seniors necessarily. The people on the bus were from the ages of 58 to 88. Now it's quite possible um, you know, 58 might be the driver, 58 might be a supervisor who went along with them, but the passengers were between the ages of 58 and 88. And I read an account this morning of how they're trying to identify these people. I mean, if your loved one was on that bus, you know already whether they lived or died. But, um, you know, without getting too graphic about it, the bodies were badly damaged. And so identifying these people is coming down to uh, dental records, fingerprints, if that's possible. Um, visual identification will not be possible for the people who died in that crash. And so people trying to come to terms. Yesterday, of course, was Sunday, day of worship. A lot of people gathered with uh, faith leaders and uh, tried to make some sort of sense, if any sense is to be made. And, um, you know, the investigation and the efforts at restoring the, or returning these bodies to their families continues as well. Um, I don't, we have to take a break, Nick? Okay, so... Uh, I'm going to wait until the next half hour to get to one of the most outrageous things I've ever come across in the news this weekend. And the sad, sad thing is, I think this is a sign of what is to come, that we live in a time of non-truth. 
So people are going to do unspeakable things in order to prove things that are not true. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 536 is the time, 15 degrees. So, you know, a little bit of a chilly start to the day if you got to head out and walk the dog. And those days where I don't work, I'll be out at this hour just as the sun is coming out walking the dog and everybody else is out walking the dog. So if you're doing that at this hour, you probably need to throw on an extra layer. So a bunch of uh, federal by-elections are happening. It's not going to affect the balance of power, but it's a bit of a barometer. You know, if the conservatives, for example, can steal a liberal riding, then that would signal that perhaps the conservatives are ascendant and the liberals are in trouble. Uh, the one riding that everybody's got their eyes on is called Portage Liscar, and it should be a conservative lock. However, People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier is running in the riding. I have not seen any of the polling, but Maxime Bernier can't win his own riding in Quebec, so I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be all that popular in a rural Manitoba seat. However, in that seat, his party did pretty well in the last, I mean, well by their standards, because they almost don't place. Um, so we'll see. And, you know, Bernier is a former federal cabinet minister who got into trouble. Think about this for a second, because I was, you know, reflecting on this on the weekend as I was going through some notes about Maxime Bernier and a bunch of other stuff. But he lost his cabinet job because he had a girlfriend and he left his briefing manual at her house one night. Now, compare that to the fact that Donald Trump had nuclear secrets and military assessments in boxes that spilled over in a bathroom shower stall at his publicly accessible golf resort in Florida. And, you know, everyone's still... I, Conrad Black, this weekend, trying to defend Donald Trump. I get that people like Donald Trump. I get that a whole bunch of people voted for him in the last election. But there is absolutely no charitable interpretation to Donald Trump taking a whole bunch of top secret, like incredibly delicate documents, things like the one thing that has gone unsaid in all of this is that all the other people who are in military strategic alliances with the United States are probably in a blind panic because a man who used to be the commander in chief, who would like to be the commander in chief again, is storing incredibly sensitive military information at his golf club. But back to Maxime Bernier. Um, I just, I'm not, you know, he's a very nice fellow. He came in, we had a great conversation a couple of years ago. I think he's uh, fabulously intelligent, but he's completely crazy when it comes to his politics. I mean, he and JFK Jr. can, can run on a double ticket in the United States. Anti-vax, anti-COVID shutdown, um, World Economic Forum, conspiracy theories, George Soros, you name it, Maxime Bernier is in. So if he loses today, I would imagine perhaps we're done with him, but one never knows. And then there are a host of other by-elections that, you know what, we'll unpack tomorrow morning. So what have I been talking about when I talk about this unspeakable, vile thing? Some residential school deniers, yes, it's a thing, went to a Kamloops Indian residential school 
and decided that they would try to dig up some graves to prove that there were no bodies in them. Uh, according to a report, denialists entered the site without permission. Some came in the middle of the night carrying shovels. They said they wanted to see for themselves if children are buried there. There are a couple of takeaways here. One would be that we have reached this absolutely lunatic place, and I don't think there's any going back, where people who deny things that are established will feel empowered to do anything. I mean, in the States, when it comes to Donald Trump in the last election cycle and him insisting that the election was stolen, there were some Donald Trump supporters who tried to sneak into facilities and steal election machines from the Dominion Voting Company in order to prove that the election was stolen by the Dominion Computer Company. And you kind of figure that now with Fox paying almost $800 million to Dominion, that maybe that debate is over, but it's not. But when it comes to this, and you know what? Shame on the people who launched a website. And Barbara Kay, who I have known for years, and she and I have had a very funny relationship, which is very convivial, but we always rivaled each other in the pages of the National Post. But she is part of an effort to curate columns on a specific website that try to say that residential schools weren't all that bad, which is kind of like the school in the United States where people have written essays about how black people didn't do so badly under slavery. After all, they got fed. And it's just, it is shameful and is the kind of thing that would fuel something like this. Unauthorized visits to the site are the work of a core group. This is in the, uh, according to a copy from the weekend from the CBC. Unauthorized visits to the site are the work of a core group of Canadians who continue to deny, defend, or minimize the physical, sexual, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted on Indigenous children in the Indian residential school system, despite the indisputable evidence of survivors and their families. Later on this morning, I'm going to be talking with an old friend of the show. I wish she could spend more time with us actually, but she, uh, I recruited her after I met her when she directed a TV series. I recruited her to become a commentator on the show and she did it for a while and she's got a wonderful disposition and incisive analysis, but she's also so busy as a content producer that she said, listen, I need some time off. But we asked Sonia Bonspiel-Buello to join us this morning at 8.20 to talk about residential school denialism and in particular, I'm sorry, you tried to dig up a grave? Are you out of your minds? In what universe does that become something where you sit around with another group of people and say, you know what, I don't believe these residential school graves exist, so let's go dig them up. And in a similar vein, I just wanted to hit on this quickly, because again, unspeakable, but it seems we've, we're living in a time and again, I don't think this is ever going to change. I think this is our future where people will do horrible things and somehow feel entitled about it. But there is this incident that happened in Windsor. A guy was trying to disrupt a drag queen presentation, a reading to kids. And a woman called him out about it on Facebook, he went to the room in a hospital where this woman's father is in palliative care dying of pancreatic cancer 
and took a smug-faced selfie with the man's body in the background. And then he posted it on Facebook. And then he told her, I can't wait to attend his funeral. Now, he's been arrested, and so he should be, because this is beyond stalking. But, I mean, first of all, I think he works, well, and I won't say where I think he works. I'm just based on uh, some of the stuff I saw on Facebook. It looks like he works for a major corporation. People are petitioning that corporation for him to be fired, and so he should be. Uh, just coming up to um, traffic and weather, and then we're going to say good morning to our friends at CP24, all kinds of stories that Toronto's talking about this morning, including the fact that actually they're doing the same thing on CP24, so you'll have ample opportunity to take a final measure of the major candidates running for mayor of Toronto. But uh, Mitzi Hunter is going to be in our studios this morning at 7.20. All right, let's get into what Toronto's talking about on this Monday morning with News Talk 1010's John Moore. Good morning, John. Hope you had a good weekend. Absolutely. Nice to be here. Good to see you. Good to see you, John. Okay, let's talk about the air quality. The warning has been lifted, but the smoke could return. Yeah, I was driving down the DVP yesterday and looking at downtown Toronto and thinking, okay, is that just sort of a humid situation or is that smoke? And it was smoke. We actually peaked out. It's a 10-point air quality health index, and we peaked at 7 at one point yesterday. Um, the warning has been lifted for now, but the forest fires continue to burn, so it could come back later this week. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, so many of them are still burning out of control, so that's a situation we'll have to keep an eye on and keep monitoring. Of course, uh, the other this, this awful tragedy that unfolded late last week, John, that Manitoba bus crashed so many victims, but it turns out identifying them could really take a long time. Yeah, dash cam footage from the truck, which is yet to be fully verified by investigators, but suggests that the truck had the right of way when it collided with a minibus. As you mentioned, 15 people killed. And without getting too graphic, it appears owing to the fire that identifying those people who were lost is going to be a complicated process. I mean, we know who the individuals who have died are. It's a matter of returning their bodies safely mm -hmm. to their families. Mm. Devastating situation there. And uh, we've been covering this story, John. A man accused in three Sudbury homicides has escaped from a local jail as of last night. Police still looking for him. Yeah, 33-year-old guy named Joel Roy or Joel, Joel Ohua, uh, but he fled a facility on uh, Saturday and a release was put out. Sounds like a pretty dangerous guy if all of the charges against him are true. As you mentioned, there are two counts of first-degree murder from last December, an alleged shooting, and then police found another body that they have linked to this individual. Not sure if necessarily anybody's going to come across this fellow, but mm. if they do, he's five foot six inches tall, 150 pounds, and uh, green eyes, which I guess if you're close enough to recognize <laughs> the color of his eyes, it's too you late. possibly don't want to be there. No, it's, I, I love that part of the story. It's like, uh, you know, you're advised not to approach him. I'm like, I don't approach anybody, uh, you know, let alone <laughs> that close. Uh, you know, that close. To so, see their eye color. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, in the meantime, John, <laughs> residential school denialists trying to dig up suspected unmarked graves. This sounds really disturbing. It is beyond disturbing, as a matter of fact. I mean, we've reached a point where people who want to deny established history think that violating a grave site is a means of proving that they might be right. But yeah, a group of people at the Kamloops Indian Residential <clears throat> School were busted with shovels trying to dig up graves because they wanted to prove that they were, in fact, empty. 
Mm. Yeah, very strange situation and very, very concerning. Uh, finally, let's end with some happier news, John. The Argos, the defending 2022 champs, uh, they won 32-14 over the Ticats. Whenever I talk about how Toronto can't win a championship, I always <laughs> hear from people saying, hey, what about the Argos? And you're absolutely right. The Argos, Pinball, Clemens and company, uh, yesterday celebrating last year's Grey Cup win, raising the banner and celebrating in style as well because the Argos beat the Tiger Cats 32-14. And I don't know if you guys have video of this, but uh, uh, quite a few of the fans, I think 10,000 of them got replicas of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. ring that is presented. And I don't know who wears that thing. <laughs> uh, Jen and I actually got one of those each because uh, Chad Kelly, the Argos quarterback, was in our studio last week. And I mean, oh, great. The, the legit one is about, I actually don't have mine. My, I gave it to my son. Yeah, um, but uh, the, the real one is like the size of a Timbit. Yeah, it's basically. even bigger yeah, and heavier. It's, it's so big. Yeah. And then these replica ones are, are significantly smaller, but still. Uh, they're quite a thing to see. And yeah, 10,000 people are going to walk around with a little extra bling this morning, John, I guess. <laughs> the rock that'll break your arm. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure to chat. Have a great show, John. We'll chat with you, you tomorrow. Take Thanks, care. John. Take care. Jennifer Sheng, Nick Nixon over at CP24. And maybe there's somebody out there who can tell me why those rings are so ridiculously silly. I mean, is it sort of a you know a tradition that okay the uh, gray cup ring is going to be absolutely outrageous because if i'm not mistaken uh i know that baseball championship rings can be pretty gaudy and stanley cup rings um are fairly flashy but the gray cup one this is the second time i've seen one because i also got a replica a few cycles ago i don't remember if which year it was before last year maybe it was it's two years in a row i don't know football ain't my jam um, but somebody sent me one of those replica rings and it was absolutely, it's just, I mean, it's like you're trying to be ridiculous, but Hey, they did win the gray cup. So, uh, bring it on. Rosie DeMano. I often find myself coming back to Rosie DeMano columns and she has one today in the Toronto star. Allen gardens is a no go zone where city hall has lost control. Um, she writes about the people who are currently living in Allen Gardens. And I imagine this may come up in my conversation with uh, Mitzi Hunter today because I wasn't entirely satisfied with the responses we got on Thursday night in the debate where we actually asked point blank, will you clear out the homeless encampments in Toronto parks by Labor Day? Um, now, people like Anthony Fury, and uh, Mark Saunders, the former police chief, were categorical. Yes, absolutely. Everybody else started talking about housing. And I get it, and I understand, and you understand probably, that there was a uh, judge's ruling not long ago that you can't clear people out of a park or any kind of public encampment unless you have somewhere to place them. Okay, I got it. But Toronto has some pretty comprehensive and mighty costly measures to provide people with housing. The problem would be, and it seems that Rosie DeMano met some of these people, there are some who just want to be camping in a park. And sometimes it's for very rational reasons. They aren't safe in a shelter. They can't take their pet to a shelter. They want to be in a shelter with uh, their partner, but it's, uh, you know, it's only the shelters are only for men or only for women, so they can't be together. Um, they're afraid their stuff is going to get stolen. Uh, 
And those are all very rational concerns for somebody who might be transferred out of a park into a shelter. But there are also people who simply want to live on the streets and want to camp in the parks. And that is irrational. And it's part of the mental health profile of people who are, are frequently homeless. But Rosie DeMano describes a group of camp dwellers is passing around a crack pipe in broad daylight on a sunny Saturday afternoon. Or maybe it's meth. Uh, she writes about a woman who has a pet raccoon. Uh, big paragraph here. This shabby cantonment in the heart of the city is comprised of tents and tarp-roofed shacks encrusted like barnacles around the historic Allen Gardens Conservatory, an elegant complex that dates back more than a century. It's domed palm house now undergoing a multi-million dollar restoration who will come down here to stroll through its splendors of flora however is open to question allen gardens has essentially turned into a no-go zone occupied by the homeless although on this day there is a church group ambling about singing and carrying the pride flag aloft even chris moise the city councillor who is of a certain leftist cant admits that it is uh, an untenable situation, but he also says trying to regulate it, trying to clear it, is an incredible challenge and one that takes up an enormous part of his files. So, you know, I would definitely recommend that column to you. I would, uh, on any other day, uh, when somebody writes a column that I find particularly compelling, we put in a call and say, do you want to come on and talk about it? Uh, Rosie DeMano, in my 20 years on radio in Toronto, has never granted an interview to us. So I guess she's, she's kind of like the way Diana Krall thinks her music stands alone, so she doesn't like interviews. Rosie DeMano, I guess, feels that her columns stand for what she wishes to say, and she has no further comment. Um, all right, we're going to take a short break, but in a moment we'll press the reset button and start unpacking some of these stories in a different fashion. Plus, there was a great report last night as we are one week away from voting, unless you already did the advanced polling, um, but a report that kind of positions us with one week to go of where we are in the mayor's campaign. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.